2: Conspiracy
1: Unlimited with Richard Serrett.
0: On this episode, a retired correctional officer reveals his paranormal experiences inside a notorious Kentucky State Penitentiary. I did see things, objects move, screams down hallways, no one's there. Did have wheelchairs
2: move in hospitals, which I'm like, because we have an infirmary. And I know it sounds Hollywoodish, but there's nothing I've ever
0: seen Hollywood could do to make me feel what I saw. Say, if you own a business or even if you've dreamed of starting one, there's a helpful free guide with 36 business power tools proven to boost sales, increase home income. S- Increase income, simplify your life, and give you better results with less effort. Best of all, this business toolbox is yours absolutely free. And these are useful online tools that make doing almost anything a lot easier. Just visit freebusinesstoolbox.com and grab your copy. Now, I know there are a lot of websites out there, they offer you some special deal on something, but then they stick you in some recurring program. It's annoying. Don't worry, this isn't like that. There's no hidden thing to try. Trust me. Bright Biz is simply giving away this guide free of charge as a means of putting their best foot forward. But all good things must come to an end, so don't wait. Grab your free guide today. Visit FreeBusinessToolbox.com. FreeBusinessToolbox.com.
1: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres, Pursuing the truth wherever it leads.
0: Some friends of ours were over the other night, and they were talking about binge-watching Orange is the New Black and how they're looking forward to season six or whatever it is. I've not seen a single episode. I don't even have Netflix. Uh, But this is a television program about life inside a woman's minimum security prison and all of the strange things that happen. I guess it's part comedy, part drama, and I'm guessing guards see a lot of strange things inside prison, most of it probably not very funny. Uh, and then I was reading this article that collected stories from prison guards on a Reddit discussion about the weird and creepy things they've witnessed. And one was about this guard witnessing a fight between an MS-13 gang member and a member of the Bloods inside the prison yard. And MS-13 gang members are absolutely like the worst of the worst, the lowest of the low Uh, Trump was right. They are absolute animals, and the the idea that he would be criticized for saying that is just beyond the pale. Don't get me started. Anyway, this prison guard watched this MS-13 gang member take down one of the bloods. He knocked him out, and then he was actually trying to rip the eyeballs out of his sockets before another guard intervened. Uh, Absolutely horrific. My guest uh, on this episode is, in fact, a retired corrections officer from Kentucky. And he's seen some pretty bizarre things, but we're going to steer clear of the murder and mayhem. He's here to talk about the paranormal. Uh, In fact, Kentucky State Penitentiary, where he worked, opened its heavy iron gates to the condemned over a 100 years ago. And yet many of them, long deceased, apparently, still walk its corridors. Author and paranormal researcher Steve E. Asher is a Princeton, Kentucky native. He loves music as well as being in nature most often at night. He's a 10-year veteran of both corrections and law enforcement. He's been investigating both the paranormal and the macabre for many years. He's researched ghosts worldwide, including in Thailand. Steve cares for his family of five, along with his wife Cheyenne, and when he's not writing, he's teaching special needs adults off on investigations or meditating in the flower garden at his home. Steve Asher, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, sir. I appreciate you having me on the show. So let's begin at the beginning. Tell me about your your times uh, as a, a correctional officer in the Kentucky State Penitentiary System.
2: Well, uh, like I said, it's, it's been a minute. Um, I have, uh, Since then, I, I've worked with special needs adults now. Uh, but at the time I was there, uh, I did a total of 10 years in corrections, uh, between that and law enforcement. Um, I went in having a few years of training at a medium security prison um and you know I thought I you know I kind of had it figured out I was I was still pretty young I was in my mid 20s and once I went into the Kentucky State Penitentiary which is a, a supermax I quickly learned that you know the rules of everything I knew before did not apply this was a totally different animal uh you know the the custody uh, levels were different the interactions were different uh the the, the actual f- physicality of, of the structures were different it even the way it was set up was very uh, gothic very high peaks very brick walled you know as you might consider something of the old old guard of penal colonies you know or penal systems uh the, the place i worked before was uh medium to minimum and you know there was a lot of open ground and dorm style settings you know everything here was one person cells and uh, it was uh, it was a totally different game
0: and then uh, how did that how did that shape your or change maybe the trajectory of your life in terms of what you're doing now did you for example while you were working in in the Penn State system did you develop uh, a belief system regarding the paranormal, or did you have that going in, or how did that develop?
2: Well, uh, I'll tell you what the way it started was: I was a real scared kid um, before I was very, you know, very old. You know, early, early toddler years and things like that. I was scared of everything, and that was during the time when stuff like The Exorcist was coming out and all these big paranormal blockbusters that were just super scary. And uh, you know, as a kid. Better or worse, I got to saw these. I got to get to see these films, and really frightened me. And which I would have, you know, a lot of you know nightmares and things like that. But I also did have some paranormal experiences, seeing shadows, things like that. And it was a deal where I'm like, okay, well, that's television. This is reality. Oh, so those are real things out there. So I had two ways I could go. I could either be scared of everything, or I could try to research it. You know the old thing of the old saying of "there's nothing to fear but fear itself" and knowledge is power and whatnot. So, picture this: this is late, you know, probably late seventies, getting ready to go into eighties. By the time I was, you know, nine, ten, or eleven years old, I'm going down to the local library and I go in there, and and most kids are you know getting books on, you know, bird collecting, stamp collecting, uh, baseball. Well, I want to be a fireman, and I'll go to this lady, very sweet lady, very this is a very bible area, very bible belted area and i say that what you know with all the endearment i can say and i was like ma'am i need to find something on esp spontaneous combustion and possibly the right of exorcism
0: <laughs> that went over well
2: <laughs> well you know it set the tone for it and you know i was um, i don't know if you've ever saw i'm sure you've probably seen the classic uh, adams family the uh, little pugsley character that was kind I, of oh yes well i was i've always kind of been a roly-poly guy and uh and here this comes this little roly poly kid with a chili bow haircut and a striped shirt wanting a book of exorcisms. But, you know, <laughs> I they
0: can didn't pic- know what. I can picture it. I can picture <laughs> it.
2: Well, it was a thing that, you know, understand too, what was so strange is my father, who years before had worked as a corrections officer in the same penitentiary I ended up working in, who later went on to become a police, police officer and chief of police in, in the county that I lived in. And so they're going. Okay, well, Asher's boy isn't here as, as for God knows what. But you know, he doesn't cause any trouble. He sits over there and reads, and he's, you know, he's, he's a, basically a good kid. He's just a quirky kid. Uh, I never got into a lot of trouble, but you know, that was that was sort of my thing. It it really drew me to it. But the thing was, once I started studying things, and I could dispel some things, and I started learning. Even then, you know, to kind of go th- by a scientific method of going, look, look, if you can disprove something. Most likely that 's you know the most uh, common was it the, the most common explanation is usually the most the most rational is probably the most uh, truthful yeah
0: oakham 's so, razor oakham 's you know, razor razor yeah.
2: exactly and so I, I even at that time I started studying that but I, but what I discovered was on the flip side of all this. I discovered oh I can I really can like scary movies so then I then I started watching like all the old uh, Vincent Price films and all the Hammer films and all then of course all the eighty slashers you know all those different type of movies uh, so I became a fan of the genre on top of being a budding paranormal investigator which at that time I was just again trying to quell my own personal fears and, and come to grips with um, my demons which I, in a comic book ex- explanation that, that was my Batman moment you know. Uh, you know what strikes fear in this and that you know Uh, but my thing was what dispels fear in me is knowing what what these things are what we conceive are these things
0: right Uh, so before you before you researched the western lunatic asylum uh, did you have other paranormal experiences in the Kentucky penitentiary
2: Yes, uh, like I said, I have actually two stories uh, in the book, "The uh, Hauntings of the Kentucky State Penitentiary," that are that are my actual stories. Um, there are several uh, that I have from other officers, from I mean, people that are still there, people that were there and went on to other jobs, or some people that retired out. You know, and and all these people I vetted. You know, I these aren't people that see jerry garcia and their toast and whatever you know
0: they're not (laughs) that's an interesting reference i that'll be another show i guess
2: (laughs) let's do that i want to do that show for sure but no i mean and that's not to say that some people don't truly believe that there are some people that you know how it is you run into certain folks that it's more of an intention thing or there's something missing in them so they have to dream up something you can generally figured out who's what on that. Um, just in the years of working in in, in corrections, and I, I studied criminal justice and learning body language. Sure,
0: I mean that's a life or death thing. You need to be able to read people and fast,
2: immediately. And and that's a thing where that's something. It's so funny because people go, "Oh, well, you studied criminal justice." I said, "Yeah, but that's and that's great on books, and it's great on you know learning about prints and, and kind of uh, setting off, gritting off a search area and whatnot." But you don't. You can't pick up those tells. You just have to develop that, and any everyone has that. Uh, most people that I think that see themselves, or not sorry, see themselves, and people just go, "Oh, well, you have a sixth sense." No, I just okay. If I pressed, you know, metal all day over my shoulders, I would have some really developed biceps, and you go, know, "That's incredible." No, that's years of work and constant uh, being. In, right. in that position, and it's the same thing Like with that. Just like, a, say, a hunter goes down a field, you might walk down there and see nothing. He might see four or five different tails of animal trails, and maybe a bent limb at a certain level tells you there's young deer in that area. And So you, you develop all that. And, and, but, yes, I, I did have some experiences in there. Uh, what you have to understand about the Kentucky State Penitentiary, it went online, if I'm not mistaken, because uh, I don't have that in front of me. I believe it was 1888 or 1889 on Christmas Eve. Um, so, and it, they had a big plaque in front of it. It's from the old, uh, it, the abandoned all hope of all you who enter here. And it sort of set the tone. Uh, it, it was not a place about, you know, reform. It was not a, uh, a, a touchy filly. Let's talk about your feelings. You know, it was a hard, isolated, physically breaking, emotionally backbreaking, um, a lot of assaults, rapes. Uh, arson sometime all three sometime at the same time i'm joking i'm making a joke there uh, <laughs> but it, it's uh i have to i have sort of a gallows humor so please excuse me uh, but it was definitely a thing of it, it was a wholesale slaughter market and and it did uh it did set up for a lot of interesting interesting things and when i say when i talk about having paranormal experiences i don't call whatever i saw or experienced ghosts or what or whatever because i can't i don't know i can't prove that um i know i kind of go with I know I saw a shadow. I know I felt cold spots with different stimulus. I know that you know this move, that move. I smelt this. Very tactile. That anyone can relate to. Type of descriptions. You know, um, you start talking about you know class five Roman apparition and ectoplasm, and that's great for Ghostbusters. But you know, if you're trying to be legitimate, and I and I have sort of a thing. I don't want to BS people uh because I'm definitely not an expert in anything I mean I've I've basically studied this stuff 30 something years but I don't think there's a, such thing as a you know a certified this or certified that it's just people putting their time in
0: right you and- know what you saw what you felt what you smelled it's a little bit like people who see some Unusual aerial phenomena, and deciding immediately that it's piloted by someone from Alpha Centauri. You you saw something, but what it is, we're not quite sure. But let's put it, let's park it over here in a category called the unexplained, and we'll figure it out later.
2: Right. Well, and that's the way I try to go about it. Because, like I said, it's so man. It is so easy for people to grab. Uh, something and run one way with it. So what did it, you? What it, did you
0: see? Excuse me, Stephen. What? So maybe your first experience at, at the, the Kentucky Pen. Uh, what was the first thing that you witnessed that left you scratching your head?
2: Okay, I believe it was the. It was evening shift. We have uh, three different shifts: seven a.m. to three p.m., three p.m. to eleven, and eleven to seven. So I was working late evening shift in a place called 4 Cell House. 4 Cell House uh, was – how do I explain this? All right, you know how you have – do right, you remember the old uh, cart systems that people used to radio? Yes, okay. on 8-Track,
0: the old 8-Track. Uh, yes. Yeah,
2: yes. Well, you remember how sometimes they were – you would have a tower, and there would be some on one side and one on the other side. hmm Okay? It was like that, but each place where there would have been a cart, considered that a floor. So you might have five or six floors – One On one side and another five or six floors on another side. And how it was set up, one side was prison side because it's the side that faces the prison yard. And there's another side called Riverside because that faced the uh, the, the Cumberland River. And which is basically a, a thing to be set up to help the people running the control center because everything there is controlled every cell opening door is controlled by an officer down where I was working at in the control center and then you have officers get buzzed in onto every walk and buzzed off on every walk and there's cameras at the ends of every walk i mean it's it's very micromanaged you know and, and for good reason because violence pops off constantly well i was working in the control center and we have various monitors set up uh, above the switchboards, to where you can watch the officers or watch any sort of movement, or you know, see if somebody's setting their cell on fire or flooding it or whatnot. Well, there's the highest one I believe, if my memory still serves, was I think 16, and it goes all the way down to 20. Which now this 20 is a single, single walk, and that's on the right side, and that served for usually people who worked in the kitchen that got up early. And that was almost like a meritorious thing. You didn't have to look at another guy over there using the bathroom or doing God knows what in his cell. It was a little bit, little bit quieter. Anyway, so uh, I was watching that, and I was watching a, uh, some sort of anomaly on the camera. And I thought, well, maybe a light's flickering or something like that. And the more I noticed what looked like a reflection, it grew, and it grew to more or less the size of like a, you know like a concert beach ball. You know, just a good-sized, you know, big beach ball, but it was it was solid-colored, so it it wasn't an orb, it wasn't a piece of dust or something like that. It was, it had a defined border and it had a almost a halogen brightness to it. It was, it it wasn't a normal any sort of reflection. It gave off its own light. It lit up the hallway, but the thing was, it didn't cast any sort of reflection. It didn't. It wasn't like it was a physical ball with a light in it, which should have. Had some sort of shadow somewhere, and so I kind of saw this thing form. You know, this is this is after three or four different little walks of the walk officer, and I'm watching this thing, and I don't say anything at first. I'm thinking maybe somebody's playing with me at first. Well, then this thing actually starts to hover and move down the walk toward the front camera, and so I'm going, okay. So then I, I zoom in on it. I'm looking around. I see you no. Know, Hands out the window, I see, or, or through the bars, because everything's barred, barred gates. This thing comes forward, and it hovers maybe four feet in front of that camera. And I'm talking, I can see top, bottom, left, right, all around it. It zooms, it gets so close, it kind of fades back and forth to the camera, and it's, you know, like when you have an overexposure, where it sort of overly brights and blackens the screen? Right, right. That's exactly what it did. And and I would notice it would start kind of figurating. And it was almost, it had a bit of a tail to it now that could have been somewhat of a optical effect because of the camera being overpowered, but it did that for i don't know probably maybe eight seconds it wasn't very long maybe even five seconds, but it felt longer. It did a little swirl and shot past the camera. the camera light the hall light dimmed down, and then it came back, and everything was fine and I'm going, what the crap was that? I've mm. only been working there for four months. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm a new guy. I don't know if somebody's playing with me. So that's a really good—that's a really good, it's a really good uh, prank. But I kept watching the screen. So here comes the officer, an older guy, and I said, "What's going on, Asher? You've been—you know—call me the my last name, just Asher. You've been bird dogging that screen for like the last 45 minutes." And I said, "Uh, as, yeah, I don't, you know." And he said, "No, what, what, what it is? Is it something I need to be worried about?" And I said, "You wouldn't believe me if I told you, honestly. Uh, you know, I'm." I'm new. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not used to these cameras. What did, what did you see? And I said, it was down on 20 walk. And he said, okay. Right, yeah. Tell me. And I told him
0: what I saw. And he said,
2: yeah, yeah, that sounds about right.
0: I said, <laughs> So I said, matter of fact, nonplussed, yeah. nonplussed.
2: No, he was just completely stoked about it. And, and I went, okay, so you don't think I'm crazy? He says, this isn't crazy. Boy, I've seen the same things. And I said, what in the world? He says, what you got to understand, that walk before it was for the kitchen workers, that had been death row. Because every building, as they develop new buildings, get a new – becomes something else. Yeah. They end up – because of state laws and things, they have to give you bigger sales and whatnot, especially for the death row guys because they're in there 23 hours a day. And, uh, and I said, well, it was down there around 18 and 19 and then right around – second or third cell, because it goes like one and goes all the way back to 19. It says about a second or third, it did this weird swirl and then took off. He said, well, yeah, there was a stabbing. There was a guy that were fighting down from back that end, and the guy got stabbed to death right there at the second cell. And I went, oh. And, and which was, was just really quiet from me. He says, hey, well, welcome to KSP, kid. And he went on, and that was the end of it. So um,
0: Now, was, was that surveillance camera recorded?
2: yeah everything should be recorded. Did uh, you play it and, back? oh no, 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 that's okay. Let me explain. I get the monitor feed right the The thing that records it goes into what they call the war room. the war room it, you come back out through four cell house into the main admin building. There's a room called the war room, and that's where they have all the tapes and feeds and whatnot. Uh, I had spoke to people about that and tried to get a uh you know a I can't really get a copy because they said, well, that's state you can't and I was like can i see that again. I, you know, I like, oh, I'm sorry that the tapes are scrubbed after 24 hours, you know, I'm like, well, it's not been 24 hours. Like, well, it's already scrubbed. I'm like, fair enough. You know? So I mean, I'm not going to fight this guy. Right. He's, he's like a, and a
0: what about the inmates? Did any of them see anything
2: now that particular night that, 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 that happened? Um, no. And there was uh, he ran down before, right before that. And he ran back right after that. There were no televisions on, no hot pots on, nothing. Nobody, nobody was smoking. There was no, there was nothing that should have caused any sort of anomaly on a thing. Uh, people were out, you know, because these guys will go to bed eight thirty or nine to get up, you know, to go to uh, go to work at four in the morning, and this is well past ten thirty or eleven at night.
0: So obviously, you know, after years of researching this stuff, uh, I mean, you were right in the thick of it now. I mean, how did you, how did how did that change the trajectory of her life?
2: Well, what was so strange is I started doing, a, started to have my like a, a official little group of friends, um, and we just called ourselves the Caldwell County Paranormals because we weren't ghost hunters. We're not hunting anything. We're not bagging. We did not have a ghost head on our wall. We're not. It's it's not about invading anything. We're interested in the paranormal. We want to learn about the paranormal, so we use that term. Um, Working there was really sort of a uh, almost like a sociology uh, experiment, but except it was with the dead or whatever these things were, um, and dealing with people because working with whoever, as once they kind of found found out that okay, he's actually interested in that he knows a little, knows his stuff a little bit about this, then people said look, you know. I want. To, I didn't want to say this around whoever because I've had people like, ball, like in my face laugh and go, "You're crazy." And then they would wait till the lieutenant walk around, and said, "Hey, look, I'm sorry, but if I said something, they would have, you know, laughed me out of the thing." And I'm up for a sergeant position or I'm up for a lieutenant. It's it's very you know very a lot of quick. CMA
0: going on for sure. Yeah.
2: yeah, Well definitely, and a lot of posturing and stuff. But it was a thing where they said, well, "Look, here's here's what I saw," and he says, "You know, um, please don't repeat that I said it." You know, but this is what I saw and a lot, a lot, of the inmates. Uh, and again, you, there are guys in there that are more solid than others. There are guys in there for, you know, like a fight in a bar with somebody over a girlfriend and the guy hit him too hard. His head hit the, a bar table, broke his neck, you know, that sort of story. Uh, not necessarily a career criminal or rapist or something like that. Um, but I had, Relatively – and again, being a solid person is a gray area when you walk into a penitentiary. Um, it's very it's not it's very not black and white. But um, but I spoke to some of these folks, especially guys that were old-timers, and a lot of times they would back up what I said, or I might kind of go, have you heard anything about whatever walk? And they would kind of reiterate maybe either what was saw or maybe something I haven't heard. But then I would hear later from another officer that that, that indeed happened. Um, there was a, another cell house, which is right down past four. Funny, it's called Five Cell House, and this is right over the kitchen. And I was working on the second floor, and this is broke off into three, uh, almost like an E. Uh, imagine like an E layout, on its side facing, facing left. On the first top of the E, you would have A and B, uh, singles walks, then C and D in the middle, prong. And then on the third one, you'd have a single, uh, which is echo walk, which is set up for, again, for kitchen workers and you know the good guys, people – that put their time in that aren't causing fights and it's just basically a, uh, a good carrot to dangle for people to stay out of trouble but um, I was working second floor and I was making some rounds and as always we have to go down to the back of these walks to check the fire doors because of course hey, you want to make sure they're secure that nobody's messed around during your counts and um, anyway I was checking the door and I kind of glanced over my shoulder getting ready to head back up the walk well as I look up this way I see something come in from the hallway doorway, and when I say something it wasn't it wasn't a person it wasn't like a shadow that you'd see go across the wall as as a shadow will warp as the into the indentions of the wall. This thing was solid ish solid, but I could see through it. It came through and went into a small shower room, which is set up for like mainly for kitchen workers and people. Whoever, maybe they're painting on the wall. You know, they don't have to go all the way out into the yard. They could go ahead and jump in there and get the paint off them. Well, and I'm like, okay, what the, what was that? So I started kind of moving a little bit up the hallway. Like that's weird. And get my my flashlight out. Then I saw something else larger. Follow that thing in there. Then I start hearing scuffling. You know, the sound of like you're trying to overpower somebody. Not let them. That muffled. You're not going to scream for help. Sorry, right, 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 right. And I don't think if someone got out, they're going, somebody's going to kill somebody in the shower. So then I'm really hoofing it, you know. I'm coming up there and slide up there, my lights on, you know. I've kind of got got in a position to where if I have to fight a guy, you know, I can. I got my hands up and I'm flashing in the corners. There's not a so, but I can still hear movement in the, sh- in the shower. And so I step out. And I go, well, maybe it's coming out in the hallway. Maybe I I saw a shadow and I looked at in the hallway. There's no sound. You know, I look down, look down the length of the hallway, which is right by my office. G- gates are locked. Not a so. Lights are out. I look back in the shower and the sound is over with. I recount the walk to make sure somebody wasn't playing a prank on me. The numbers are the same. And I go back, you know, and I check all the walks. Everything's the same. And that had happened maybe three times in the time I worked there. Um, kind of a repeat of the same situation. What's so funny is after everything was said and done, and after I wrote the book, which is, which was nothing more than a collection of stories I collected from these officers. Obviously I changed names in some locations to, to keep people, you know, from getting in any hot water, which it's, it's their stories, but you have to kind of do it like fiction, a fictional story wrote on true events just because it is a state facility. Um, and they reiterate the same story or some people go, Oh, Hey, you know, my cousin said he's going to get my, get that book for me. I'm really excited. You know, I've, You know, what have you heard about this walk or that walk? And some of the things I had experienced. I said, well, wait till you get to chapter 16. You know, so, and then they'll come back, oh my God, that's crazy. It's like you're retelling what happened to me. So, um, there's some validation in that, A, that you don't think you're a stark raving cuckoo, and that. You know The the time that you put in there and researching all this worked out because I, I talked to hundreds of officers, and I talked to several inmates, just like the same thing with Western State, uh, which is – the thing of that was the hauntings of the Western Lunatic Asylum. Right, That was the right. original name. Uh, that was back in the time when people used the terminology of lunatic and moron and idiot as classifications of mental, you know, actual IQ level. Um, but I'd spoke to a lot of workers there. I'd spoken to people that are obviously still there, some people that had family –… that knew of stories back from the, the initial onset of the facility coming up, and I think it was like 1854. And the thing is with like the penitentiary, they come up in like 18 – I believe 1888. Mm-hmm. So all these are – they have the same sort of story of you know, the, the large, imposing stone structures, the underground tunnel systems, which is a whole other facet of that.
0: Do you remember all those prison break movies and the inmates would be running through the swamps in their black and white prison jumpsuits? Maybe a couple of them would be chained together. And in Hot Pursuit, you'd have the prison guards and their bloodhounds, of course, hot on their trail. Bloodhounds are amazing dogs. They're trained to do a very specific job. Now, if you have a dog, how would you like to develop your dog's hidden intelligence to eliminate bad behavior and create the obedient, well-behaved pet of your dreams? Well, a woman named Adrienne Ferricelli, a professional certified dog trainer, has helped hundreds of dog owners train their dogs to be well-behaved, obedient, loving pets by bringing out the hidden intelligence inside the dogs. You can quickly eliminate any behavioral problem your dog has, no matter how badly you think it's ingrained, and no matter what kind of dog you have. The science behind this is simple. You may have heard of neuroplasticity in the human brain. That's what allows our brains to learn new behaviors. Well, it turns out dogs have the same neuroplasticity in their brains. And with the right mental stimulation that Adrian teaches any dog's brain will become more open and receptive to learning new information. Your dog will listen to you and understand what you want it to do. And when this happens, bad behaviors simply fade away as more desirable ones appear in their place. So, if you want to check out this remarkable dog training system, just visit realbusinessbargains.com. That's realbusinessbargains.com. realbusinessbargains.com.
1: If there's one thing money can't buy, it's sanity. (laughs) Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett,
0: Steve E. Asher, author of *Hauntings of the Kentucky State Penitentiary*, is here. Do you uh, think? Excuse here? me, Stephen, but do you think the construction material has anything to do with the the activity? If if we think of it, if we think of this paranormal activity as some sort of uh, repeating loop of I mean, is it a repository of negative energy, I guess, is what I'm asking.
2: Absolutely, and and, and I'll expand on that a little bit if I can. Um, And again, this is – and I will give you you what I think is going on after after I give you my spill. Okay, Western Kentucky is built over fingers of the mammoth cave system, which is just an expansive cave system. Uh, What we have, especially under like Caldwell County and Lyon County, which is the counties – some of the counties that – are connected to these facilities, we have a car system, which is a lot of limestone with a lot of aquifers under it. Uh, As you know, and especially in old-style radios, they would use quartz, which would come from stones like granite and and limestone that can carry a frequency, can hold a frequency, can tune in to a certain vibrational frequency, Uh, be it a radio frequency or whatever. It's all energy, and not to mention you have – like with the penitentiary, you have a big flowing – thing of water rushing past all that some of that going into under the cave under the cave systems under the penitentiary that not a lot of people know about and i think all that plus the fact that they use locally mined limestone that on inmate labor to fist they literally built their own cages and hmm. a lot of people several of these people lost their lives in the process there's even rumors that there were bodies fell into the down into it into the grinders and stuff as they're putting concrete, and it's, a, it's just they're, they're gone. You know, they would drown, and they just will just this is what happened.
0: It's a perfect storm, isn't it? Yeah,
2: and that's what I'm trying to tell you is that just in the time that I was there, it how do I explain it? Okay, I don't know if you're a particularly religious person.
0: Uh, I, I am. I try. Okay, I <laughs> not very good that. at it, but I try.
2: Well, that's you know that's the, that's the test of man. You know the point is we, we all fall short. where We keep trying, I guess. But you know that thing when you walk in somewhere, and say say it's like a church, or some place of uh, something that really really means something to you, something that's ancient and has a spirit of its own. If if you want to use that terminology, just, uh, a, a hush comes over you in a way. It's very much like that. But what it's like is the closest thing I can compare it to. You have three. You have three boxes in front of you. There's no lights on, but you know in one of those boxes there's a hungry bear. The head of a hungry bear is right there, and it, it will eat you. And as you're moving your hands over those boxes, you can feel that apprehension, that fear, all that trapped, pent up, just ranker that people have experienced, and all this overlapping, all that stuff, you know, because it's not just the prey. It's the predator, and then sometimes those roles are switched. then you bring in the, the supervisors, which especially in the early early days weren't much better than than who you had in the cells because you had to have really violent men to control other violent men interesting and, yeah and it's sort of that type type of thing of uh, you you defeat the bully by becoming the bully and and that's something that was very very much part of uh, the prison prison mentality still is.
0: Did did you? Uh, I mean, did the the? Um, I don't know what the status of the death penalty in Kentucky is now. Do they still have it?
2: Yeah. Well, like I said they had had they'd had an execution a few years back. It had been um, it had been a guy who had been grandfathered in. Okay, let me let me explain something that's kind of weird. Which I know with you being outside the United States, it's really quirky because some of the some of the the, the, I'm trying to word this right Because I don't want to offend anybody Like gun laws are extremely different here uh, uh, Violent crime is, is treated a little bit different here And that doesn't mean it's good or it's better or it's worse But it seems like um, The way it was We had a guy who was grandfathered in He had the choice He could either die by lethal injection Or he could die by the electric chair uh, He wanted to be shot but they had did away with that in the I believe the 1950s. We had hangings there. We had hangings mm-hmm. up until like the 1920s.
0: Oh, we had we had the, I think the last hanging here in Toronto was 1967.
2: Wow. Mm-hmm. That's that surprises me.
0: But but what I I guess what I was getting at is if if there's a, you know, the the green mile there and an execution chamber and whether you had access to that and if you saw anything. I did. I um
2: one of the first things they do, they'll take they'll take new people in once they complete their uh, their common core, which you had to go X amount of weeks and stuff and stay after the Capitol and go and learn all the legalese and learn all this and that. And uh, one of the, the sort of things, once you do that as a reward, which is really kind of a gruesome thing, they'll take you to where old Sparky is. Old Sparky was the electric chair that – uh, killed, I believe it was thirty-two men in one day, back in the fifties, I believe. Um, it's it's like world famous for its brutality. And anyway, so they walked us through there and set you in the room, and you kind of got to sit in the room and, and understand the, the realities of the place. And they even said, "Well, you, you can sit in it if you want to," you know. And and most almost every guy was like, "We all sit in it," you know. Some of the girls were like, "Nah, nah I'm I'm good." Not because they're scared, because there's like I have nothing to prove. But – and then, of course, some people would joke with each other and act like, oh, I'm getting electrocuted or something. Um, not the best visual for working professionals, but that's what it was. Mm-hmm. I did decide to sit in it, and I, I debated on it. I said, you know what? I want to sit here and think about it. So I, I I sat there, and I was like, okay, well, I'm sitting here. I can I can feel the, the code plate to my back and and all this. And I'm laying up against – you know into the seat. Like they would have, like they had you strapped in, and I'm thinking, what would I be thinking those last few seconds? What would my what would be my instinct, just as a human? And I said, "What's the thing?" That I thought back to when I was a kid. I don't know if you have brothers or sisters. I do. Okay, well, I had I'm the youngest, of seven, so I had both above me. So I, ah, I got youngest of five. Outside. Youngest of Young five. Old. Okay, well you 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 got battle scars too then. <laughs> well, well, you know how like your brother or sister would come up and say, "Don't," you know, like kind of like they're going to pop you and you flinch up you know up, you flinch you know that kind of thing you know gives you a sock in the arm at least I did that here when i was a kid uh, um and i said well you're going to brace yourself you're going to tighten up like, like like i guess you think you're going to be able to flex off this electricity and when i did that i, I bent my hands you know kind of tight on the pads and uh, i felt the weirdest thing um the, the seat felt different and i didn't understand why it felt really kind of prickly and i didn't understand it so i got out of my seat and I looked up under where the arm pads were, and there were like thousands of little semicircles. And I, and I'm like, and they were like black little black semicircles. And I'm like, oh my god, those are fingernail prints. That's where they buried their. The, the uh. surge hit them, and it burned them into their, and burned them into the, the pads. Right. And and it really, it really gave me a, a very good wake up call. This was not. I wasn't there to be cool. I wasn't there to be you know the man or anything like that. I was there to do a job. And and if need be, see that these guys go to this go to go to this end. Um, the thing was, as soon as I did that, this really strange <clears throat> feeling uh, of a uh, presence hit me. And I was talking to the man who was giving us the giving us the tour. Uh, it, it was a uh, unit administrator Brown was his name. And uh, we're walking out, and he said. I said, so you're a retread because I come from another penitentiary there. I said, yes, yeah. but this is definitely different. I said, uh, so when do you uh, when do you get used to that feeling here? Because it felt really like you're in the deep end of the pool. I just felt really extremely constricted. And he said, oh, well, yeah, you know, the air conditioner or the heater. I said, no, it's not the heater. I'm talking about – I always said, oh, yeah, no, you don't. I mean you, you learn to work – I mean you'll either learn to work through it or you won't. And most of those guys that can't leave. right? And I, and I said, well, no, I mean, I got a family to feed. I'll work through it. But the dangdest thing – I'm sorry, I almost cussed on you. The dangdest thing, uh, we went to go eat lunch, and and the inmates and officers eat the same. And we're all sitting there, and everybody's looking at each other across the, across the line, as it were. And I go to uh, wipe my face with my napkin, and I, I smelt something I thought was a napkin. And then I, I put it down. I smelled my hands. My hands smelled like burnt skin. And it literally stayed like stayed like that for like, Lord days, and I I did everything lemon juice tomato juice everything I couldn't get the smell of death off me for quite a while and that um, I don't know I, I I swear I almost feel like that sort of connected me in in a weird way not that in, in any way that you know I've suffered like these guys that went to the chair but I think maybe because I had a certain empathy I'm, I don't consider myself an, an empathic person but. Uh, or I don't claim that I definitely have certain traits, maybe of that, but I didn't, wouldn't call myself that or psychic or any of that. But it definitely, maybe it opened me up. Maybe it allowed me because I took that extra step. That whatever I guess maybe thought I would be open to communication. I don't know. Um But like you were saying, all that pin up, rage, murder, confinement, cheat—you know—all all the back and forth did and it just feeds on itself it's like a self-perpetuating battery my father uh, again who i had mentioned uh, who's no longer with us told me when i was going to go work there he said um son i love you which my dad was a very john wayne guy he wasn't i love you and give you a hug guy he was a very old school type cop he said look i love you but i i don't think you got the right heart for it now at the time he said this it was a it kind of got me on the chin a little bit and i was like oh okay well you know time to tell as I went into that, and after he had passed away, I realized what he meant was that if you are open in any way and if you are a good hearted person, that place will either burn you out, corrupt you or turn you into something you don't you don't want to be
0: um, and and, I, so, and, and people, so what 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 happened to you then did it corrupt you burn you out break <laughs> you what well
2: well, I mean it definitely like you said it did it did leave a stain it did leave a stain in regards of of uh dealing with stuff in the paranormal uh, it it seemed like it kind of amped me on that ability but it did burn me out uh you you can't be in that sort of environment with all the all the games and all the setups and all the this and that and not affect you i mean i at the time i was extremely i wouldn't say extremely um spiritual but i was a fairly religious guy and i held to that really hard um you know i didn't go Getting caught up in a lot of the stuff that the, some of some of the people were involved in, uh, which is probably the reason I'm still married. You know, 23 years in, uh, I saw a lot of guys absorb what they saw, what they felt, what they experienced in that place, and they turned turned it inside them, and they destroyed themselves drinking and whatever. Uh, the The average life, uh, I mean, it's the average lifespan of a correctional officer after retirement is two years. Wow,
0: and I yeah. thought, I thought former NFL players had it rough.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, there's that thing. There's a thing where, and I've seen it with people, um, you change, uh, you know, that old joke, you know, a prisoner to change a man. I mean, that's true. Uh, All joking aside, uh, especially if, say, if you're an officer, you know, you're used to telling guys when to get up, when to sleep, when to go use the bathroom, and you do that long enough, you try to do that on the street. Now, Maybe that maybe they'll listen to you, or maybe they're going to somebody's going to shoot you. You know that's the thing. People don't know how to disconnect from that, and they become institutionalized. That is their world, hmm. and so I can see why people's spirits get stuck in there because their story. You know, and as I was mentioned in the book, there's stories about you know officers. They're seeing officers from like the 1930s or 40s walking around in there, you know, in, in spirit form, just doing doing that job because that's all they know that did all you they see love.
0: did you see any of that now see
2: i never saw i never saw a spirit but i did see things like objects move i did see uh you know have screams down hallways no one's there did have like wheelchairs move in hospitals which i'm like because we have an infirmary and i know it sounds hollywoodish but it, it it wasn't. There was nothing Hollywood. There was nothing I've ever seen Hollywood could do to make me feel what I saw.
0: Let me ask you a final question, and I have to have you back because we have not. We haven't even gotten into the uh, the so called lunatic um, asylum in Western Kentucky. Uh, but after your experiences, do you believe that? hauntings are essentially a residual almost like an echo from the past in other words there's no consciousness there or do you believe what you see uh does in fact have a consciousness in other words if you were so inclined you know you could you there could be communication there
2: well uh, my and my of course my answer is all conjecture and which is somewhat of an educated guess and just from experience and whatnot. Um, I believe a good amount of it is just a repeat, a looping, residual haunt. There are some that I do think are do have some sort of active intelligence, and I do think that um, – I think at the root of it, it's like this. Uh, I was a big fan of Tesla growing up, and everything – is can basically energy or electricity driven, you know. Our brains run on electric synapses and whatnot, and uh, that's just everything creates a current. You know, running water creates a current. Everything has its own. If you want to talk sort of a Native American animist vibe, everything has a soul or at least an energy field. Any living thing, and I think that all that energy, especially stuff that is, that's a scar. Something that's not healed up. There's a reason things don't heal up right because you don't have closure or, or whatnot. I think all that energy continues on, and be it strong enough that maybe some of that human consciousness – if be it a human consciousness or be it something that was never human to begin with. Because again, what is a ghost? What is a demon? What is a this? Uh, I mean I know we have a lot of different theories and, and and all that I, but I can only go on again on what I have experienced firsthand and I do think that there definitely are things that have intelligences that are still there still at the penitentiary still at western state you know and that's the thing I mean I'm in the process of working on two other books which is uh, continuations of, of this series that have very some you know very similar stuff and even more darker things darker than the prison which surprised me uh, that is just the nature of it I don't think I don't think we just Dying and going to the ground. I don't think. I think sometimes people want to think that because it's it's easier than dealing with whatever comes next. And I'm not talking necessarily about a judgment. I'm just talking about going on because I, I think a lot of people are so spiritually beat down they're they're ready for it to be over. Or They think they are. Um, I think if they were if they come to that point given the chance they'd want to they'd want to live, but just like in the penitentiary and just like in western state not everybody had that choice sometimes sometimes the choices were made for them
0: hauntings of the kentucky state penitentiary that's uh the first in the uh, ongoing series and uh, we didn't even get a chance to touch on the western uh, lunatic asylum but we'll do that next time because i want to have you back Stephen. i've enjoyed this conversation immensely let's do it again soon
2: Yes, sir. Thank you again for having me on. It was, it was a pleasure.
0: Let me give the website. It's steveasher.com, steveasher.com. Thanks again for this.
2: Yes, sir. And if I can say, uh, it's steve with an extra E, asher.com. So it's, it's technically steveasher.com, e. but all lowercase and together, no no breaks in it.
0: steveeasher.com. Thank you for that. I missed that. All right. That's okay. Until we meet again. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Terrific stuff, Steve. We'll have him back on again soon. Okay, well, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'm going to fill you in on the next episode of Conspiracy Unlimited, but before that, Life Extensions Mega Green Tea Extract. I've been telling you how it provides powerful antioxidant effects throughout the body, and I've also been telling you about how green tea contains health-promoting polyphenols, which have been the subject of extensive scientific research. It's amazing how green tea extract supports cell membrane integrity, boosts liver detoxification, enhances immune function, and helps maintain healthy blood cholesterol, LDL, and triglyceride levels, and so forth. More great news is that Life Extension's Mega Green Tea Extract is decaffeinated, and yet it contains more polyphenols in one capsule than seven cups of green tea. In fact, the Chinese have used green tea for therapeutic reasons since 2000 BC. More recently, volumes of published scientific findings attest to its multiple, health benefits. One capsule a day is all it takes. One capsule a day of Mega Green Tea Extract is all you need. Give your body what it needs. Order right now from Life Extension and save 25%. Just go to smartclickidea.com, smartclickidea.com. Once again, that's smartclickidea.com. Coming up on episode 70 of Conspiracy Unlimited, Understanding the Tarot. Until next time, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now.
1: A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need...